This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us today. Well, an estimated 10 million Americans are taking Darvacet, Darvon, and other medications for pain. Now, Darvon and Darvacet were removed from the U.S. markets in November 2010 by the manufacturer after a safety study showed various heart risks. So today on Ringler Radio, we're going to take a look at Darvon and Darvacet and what the FDA's role was, and we're going to also talk about some of the litigation that should be following along. And our special guest today to do all that is attorney Frank Woodson from the Montgomery, Alabama firm of Beasley Allen. Frank joined the mass tort section of the Beasley Allen firm in 2001 after 17 years practicing with another civil litigation firm. His practice focuses on mass torts related mostly to pharmaceuticals. Welcome to Ringler Radio, Frank. Thank you, Larry. Good to be here. Glad you could join us. And, uh, you know, I see all those commercials on TV, uh, and all they ever say in them is Roll Tide. So uh, as, as, a, as an Alabama fan, I'm sure you like that phrase. I do. I'll say it back to you. Roll Tide, Larry. Well, there you go. Uh, we're going to be discussing the withdrawal of Darvon and Darvacet from the market requested by the FDA today, Frank. And can you give us a little background and history about these medications? Tell us about what Darvon and Darvacet are all about. I think a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with these medications, and uh, they're actually very old. Uh, the common ingredient between both of them is propoxyphene. Hmm. Uh, and Darvon, which only contains propoxyphene, has been on the market since the 1957 uh, to treat mild and moderate pain. And then in the 1970s, a combination drug, Darvacet, which is a combination of propoxyphene and acetaminophen, came on the market. Interesting. What are these? Uh, who are the manufacturers, rather, of Darvon and Darvacet? Are there are there many or several, or is it just one big manufacturer of this drug? Larry, as you may be familiar with, you know when these drugs get approved originally by the FDA, there is a, one company that holds the patent. Mm -hmm. So you have the originator, and that in this case was Eli Lilly back in the fifties, and they sold uh, these medications for uh, many many years, and until uh, the nineteen nineties, and at that point, Xanadin. Uh, a company purchased the rights to the products, but as uh, many of the listeners know, that you know the patent's been lost, and uh, there are generic manufacturers on the market. So at the time of the withdrawal that you mentioned, uh, there were six companies selling uh, a form of Darvon, and over 22 companies selling a form of Darvacet. Does Lilly still manufacture it? They do not. They do not. Well, tell us about what the FDA did recently. What, what was the action they took regarding Darvon and Darvacet? Well, uh, they basically reviewed some recent clinical data, finally at uh, 
you know, they've had various hearings over the years, but uh, in the fall of 2010, they came back, reviewed some additional information provided to them, and finally decided that uh, based on that clinical trial that looked at a lot of EKG information, uh, indicating that propoxyphene products altered the heart's electrical activity, they said it's got to be withdrawn. And it, so at that point, propoxyphene and any product containing that had to come off the market. So, so that was the ingredient that really caused the, uh, the withdrawal. And the other ingredient, the acetaminophen? Acetaminophen is the uh, other active ingredient in the Darvacet product. Darvacet, acetaminophen, yeah. and a combination with propoxyphene. And, and, of course, many of your listeners are familiar with acetaminophen because that is uh, Tylenol. Right. That is the ingredient in Tylenol. Exactly. So, but, but and, and and this does not affect acetaminophen at all. That that was my point. It, it, it's only really talking about the propoxythene. That's correct, that's, or that's any product containing propoxythene. Well, they also stopped the distribution not only of the uh, the Darvon type product, but the generic versions of the drugs were also stopped. Anything with the propoxythene in it was uh, was considered uh, to be withdrawn. That's correct. And so you had many manufacturers, including Xanadin, who had purchased the rights from Eli Lilly and all of the generic manufacturers. And so all of those were finally withdrawn in the United States because hmm. other regulatory action had been occurring for the last several years in other countries. What made it so slow here? You know, that's always uh, hard to say, uh, Larry. Why? Uh, but we've seen that in many mass tort litigations that we've been involved in. But, you know, uh, propoxyphene-containing products were withdrawn uh, in the United Kingdom uh, in 2005. Based upon similar studies with the, uh, the heart issues? You're exactly right. Hmm. And then uh, following up with that, the European Medicines Associ- Agency, which is similar to the FDA, except uh, that looks to several European countries, decided to remove propoxyphene products from their markets in June of 2009. Interesting. And then we saw Singapore health agencies, November of 2009, and New Zealand uh, released a statement in February 2010, about a year ago, um, that also required removal. Well, you know, it's interesting that according to the public interest group, Public Citizen, uh, between 1981 and 1999, there were over 2,100 Darvon or Darvaset deaths reported and these painkillers accounted for almost 6% of all drug deaths during that period. How did these numbers influence the decision to withdraw these drugs from the market? I mean, that's a long stretch of time when all these deaths were occurring. Uh, what, 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 what influence did, did that data have on it? I don't think that particular data had a lot of influence. Uh, Public Citizen filed their first petition to remove propoxyphene from the market as early as 19. 19- uh, in the 1970s, mm. and what, but really, what that was about was the propensity to possibly become addicted to it and to abuse the drug. Well, isn't it true that, uh, from what I understand, Public Citizen, you're right. They they started the this petition back in the late 70s. Once it was finally banned last year, uh, didn't they criticize the FDA for waiting far too long on this issue? Well, they did, and the the issue that we're talking about today. And the removal, as I said a minute ago, was about it affecting the electrical uh, part of your body and affecting your heart rhythm. 
People probably heard the terms AFib and VFib, and all our hearts have a rhythm, and these drugs have that propensity to throw that rhythm off, which can cause death. And some of the deaths that you mentioned earlier were related to that. Interesting. How has the, uh, from your perspective anyway, how has the FDA changed under the new Obama administration? Have you seen any demonstrable differences in how the FDA is dealing with uh, issues such as the Darvon case? You know, nothing demonstrable. I think the big thing we saw under the Bush administration was that the FDA became uh, very active in attempting to preempt uh, litigation over drugs if they had been approved by the FDA. And what I mean by preemption is basically prevent them. In other words, they made a big push to say if the drug had ever been approved by the FDA, that was it. No consumer, no matter what the drug did to them, could sue them. Now, we don't see that happening with the Obama administration. They're not. They're letting the civil judicial system continue on its course and and let the person or the company who is the manufacturer be ultimately responsible for their product. Okay. Well, let's talk about something you're very good at, and that's litigation. Uh, Xanadine Pharmaceuticals is fighting an attempt to consolidate and centralize all of these lawsuits involving Darvon and Darvaset that have been filed in the federal court system, and, and they seem to be arguing that the cases should be centralized in the Eastern District of Kentucky, where they're headquartered. Is is that a good idea? Well, uh, we have seen that in the past. Now, the status of that is, and what we're talking about is any lawsuit that ends up in federal court mm-hmm. when we're talking about centralization. If a case is in a particular state court, they would not be sent there. But when we see a big drug removal, there's a panel of judges in Washington, D.C., who can centralize all the federal cases in one location. One location uh, requested by a plaintiff is the Eastern District of New York, and other locations requested by plaintiffs in the cases have been the Eastern and Western Districts of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Zanadin has filed responses to those requests objecting to any centralization of the cases in any federal court. Interesting. Well, it seems like Louisiana is a venue for a lot of this multi-district litigation in these these large cases. Is, isn't that? Am I wrong? Or no, you're you're right. I mean, uh, in fact, our law firm has been very active in in two of those. Propulsed, which uh, Judge Eldon Fallon handled in the early uh, earlier this decade, and then he was the judge that appointed our law firm as the lead firm in the Vox litigation in his court in the Eastern District of Louisiana back in 2005. And, uh, you know, the judicial panel in Washington, uh, when they suspect that a litigation is going to involve thousands of cases and it's going to impact, you know, thousands of individuals and, and, of course, these companies as well, they try to put it in the hands of very experienced judges like Judge Fallon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, since these drugs were pulled uh, at the end of 2010, I would assume you're, you're expecting an increase in the number of plaintiffs going forward. I mean, you haven't have you touched the the tip of the iceberg there on the number of plaintiffs that seem to be coming forward with issues on Darvon? Well, uh, the last time we checked, there were you know a handful of cases, uh, less than ten filed in the country. Of course, what you see is uh, lawyers are going to screen these cases. Mm-hmm. And since the drugs were just withdrawn uh, in November of last year, there's only uh, been a couple of months past. So if individuals who have uh, had family members die or they've been injured themselves, they've got to contact attorneys. 
attorneys have to conduct investigations of those claims and get medical records and evaluate it to see if the claims are viable before they'll file them. But, and as that, that can take a few months. So you probably won't see a huge increase in lawsuits filed maybe for another 30, 60 days. And then as attorneys have time to get through that process, mm-hmm. then you could see a uh, larger number of lawsuits being filed at that time. So you expect to be pretty busy coming up soon. Uh, we could be, <laughs> yes. And, and of course, then you've also got to determine, you know, when they were taking the medication and who was the manufacturer. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a little uh, bit of fact-finding. That's right. It's not just like, you know, in Vox, you knew there was one company making that product because it was not off-patent. Mm-hmm. In this case, with an off-patent medication, uh, they may have taken one manufacturer's form of Darvon or Darvacet and maybe taken others. And you'll be you'll be going after the specific manufacturer for the specific claimant that you're dealing with. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, Frank, give us you know give our audience a, an idea of how the Darvon products have affected people, individuals when they when they've taken them. What are some of the side effects uh, that some of the people that you're familiar with, some of the claimants, what's happened to them? Well, it very interesting. I was talking to uh, one of our employees this morning because I knew you'd be asking me that question. And she just happens to be a nurse on our staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was asking her about the medication, she said, she told me, you know, I used to take this. And she said, now that I'm off of it, I am no longer having uh, all of my uh, problems with my heart. And the doctor took me off that medication. Now he's taking me off my heart other heart medications that were causing me to have these arrhythmias or my interruption in my normal heart rhythm. Now, those are going to be the cases that you see in court, okay? Mm-hmm. You're not going to see, you know, the the stream of adverse events that you find in the labels of these drugs. What you're going to see is uh, lawsuits or the litigation would involve deaths or some type of a heart attack or stroke that may have been associated with a, and her heart arrhythmia, and then required hospitalization or further treatment. And and the heart arrhythmia, what, what potentially would that lead to? Other than the fact that the the, the heartbeat is is off kilter, what 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 typically would be the result of, of that? Well, just you could have sudden death, mm-hmm. heart attack, and strokes, and and that's what you know the litigation is probably going to be concerning. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break right now and come back in a minute with lots more from attorney Frank Woodson on the whole issue of the recall of Darvon and Darvacet. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. 
Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and my guest today, attorney Frank Woodson from the Montgomery, Alabama law firm of Beasley Allen. Frank, you're a frequent speaker at seminars, uh, including Mass Torts Made Perfect. Uh, everyone's talking about the, the old Vioxx cases that have been in the news over the past few years. Do you see parallels to the Darvon cases and the Vioxx litigation? What are, what are, what are we, what are we, give me some uh, compare and contrast the Vioxx situation versus the Darvon Darvisette situation. Well, both of them involve the heart, obviously. You know, uh, Vioxx was about heart attacks and strokes, and this medication, uh, Darvon and Darvisett, is going to be about the electrical activity and sudden death and abnormal heart rhythm that can potentially cause some heart attacks. They just operate to cause these cardiac events in different ways. The more parallel uh, litigation may be the old propulsive litigation that uh, Judge Fallon, we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, handled down in Louisiana back in the early 2000s. Uh, propulsive was also uh, causing abnormal heart rhythms. And uh, what do you anticipate, not to give away the uh, legal strategies, but what do you anticipate the defense is going to be saying in these cases to counter the issue of the electrical heart issues that you're raising? Well, you know, as is always, what we find ourselves in is, you know, there's always a race to the science. And can you prove it? And how do you prove it? And of course, with on our side, we are very reliant on medical experts as they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the plaintiff's attorneys representing folks in these cases will have to retain medical experts to review their medical records. And if the claimant is still alive, interview them and, and take a look at them to determine whether or not they will be able to issue an opinion as to whether or not the drug caused or contributed to cause their event. Mm-hmm. And then the defense will be trying to cloud that issue in any form or fashion they can, whether that be you know, if Larry has a case, you know, what risk factors did he have for this? What other medications was he on that might have caused this? Or anything, what about his lifestyle that could have caused this? Right, right, exactly. Just like they did in Vioxx. Exactly right. Well, so what's your advice to anyone out there who has taken these drugs of Darvon and Darvacet and uh, might be experiencing side effects, uh, or maybe not, but but thinks that they may in the future? What What's the game plan there for folks like that? Well, for the folks who have had an experience while they were taking the drug, they you know they shouldn't be taking it now because they probably have run out of it. Um, 
But if they've had an event in the past, they may want to contact an attorney to determine whether or not they may have a claim. Or a family member who may have had a family member who was on one of these medications and had sudden death or a heart attack and stroke uh, or was hospitalized as a result of some type of heart arrhythmia uh, adverse event, they may want to contact uh, an attorney on uh, the estate's behalf to determine whether or not the estate may have a claim. And, you know, today, uh, Frank, there's so much on the Internet, so much information, both both about litigation and about product defects, uh, that, you know, the public can, can find an awful lot just by Googling Darvaset or Darvon. Uh, now, if they want to really get to a website that can help them, I'm assuming you've got one. We do. Uh, our law firm has a website and information about uh, Darvon and Darvaset withdrawal at www.beasleyallen.com. And what about uh, if someone has just uh, no computer but has a telephone? How do they reach you? Well, they could contact our law firm by calling our 800 number, which is 800-898-2034. And just ask for one of our attorneys or staff who are working on the Darvon and Darvaset uh, claims. Well, terrific, uh, Frank. Anything else you want to add to wrap this up? Uh, Any other comments about uh, the litigation uh, or potentially uh, how are you going to deal with it? Well, we'll deal with it just like we do all the other ones. You know, we just uh, bring in the cases. We screen them hard. We try to find... uh, legitimate claims for folks and that we can try to help them with. And and it's usually a huge fight against the manufacturer or in this case manufacturers that could go on for, you know, a pretty long time. So there's a lot of time, effort, expense and work and it's just getting started up. Well, no one can question the success ratio of your firm. You're, you're with a good one. And, uh, Frank, I know you're, uh, you're going to fight hard for these folks to help hopefully get them whatever they deserve. So uh, thank you. And uh, anyone who wants to reach a Ringler associate to talk about structured settlements or to talk about uh, the issues of how to deal with qualified settlement funds or any of the kinds of issues that are going to be involved in the kinds of cases Frank's talking about, Go to ringlerassociates.com. You'll find uh, all of our associates on that website. In fact, our website is uh, being redesigned. It's, it's terrific. You ought to go take a look at it. It's coming out soon. I'll have more information on that shortly. Uh, and if you want to listen to these Ringler radio shows for this show and many, many more, uh, ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com, where you can download the shows, listen to them right there on your computer, actually download them to your iPod and walk around uh, – Listen to them while you're uh, going to one of those Alabama football games. How's that sound, Frank? <laughs> that sounds great. Roll uh, tight. Roll, t- roll tight. I'll say go Huskies because I'm a UConn man, and uh, hopefully maybe someday we'll play for the big national championship. How's that sound? <laughs> well, good luck with that. Might meet us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Frank. Thanks a lot. And uh, all you listeners, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to 
all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. <laughs> 